Good morning, everyone. Great joy to be with you this morning. I was thinking, um, and I think I've shared this before, but it's, it's, it's a little difficult having the two parishes with the three priests. We don't get to see you as much as we'd like. We don't get to know you as much as we'd like with the rotation and just kind of the way it works. Um, so three weeks ago when I was supposed to be at these masses, I was out of town on retreat. I was down in Flagstaff, Arizona on my silent annual silent retreat. Um, I got to see Father Will uh, Schmid, right? He did his sabbatical, helped out at this parish for a while. He's doing well. He says hello. Um, so that was a great gift, but kind of the sadness of not being able to, to see you all as much as we'd like. So a great joy to be with you this morning. There's an anecdote I'd like to share with you. I don't know if this is actually true, but I've heard this story a couple of times. Uh, a child goes to confession, you know, so he goes up to the priest and he says, you know, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, I've hit my brother, I've hit my sister, and I've committed adultery. <laughs> and the priest says, well, what's adultery? What does that mean? And the child says, oh, well, I've been acting too much like an adult. <laughs> I think that's a very interesting anecdote, right? Why would a child say that? Why would a child feel like acting too much like an adult is a sin? Very interesting, right? Today, brothers and sisters, I want to talk a little bit about identity and shame. And then I want to talk a little bit about confession. So first, identity and shame, and I want to kind of connect that with our gospel today, right? This very powerful story of the woman caught in adultery. Last week, right, we had the, the, the parable of the prodigal son, also known as the parable of the merciful father. The father runs to meet his lost son who has returned home. The heart of the father, one of mercy. And today we hear Jesus and we see his heart, a heart of mercy, a heart that loves, a heart that longs to forgive his children. The merciful heart, the Father, the merciful heart of Jesus. So identity and shame, right? Identity, I think we often understand that. We know our identity, at least we, we try to have a certain identity, right? And we often live our lives defining ourselves in different ways. When I was in high school, I'm Sean, the hockey player. I do this, I do that, but do we really know, right? Do we really know who we are? Do we actually understand a deep identity? When we don't live from our identity, we can struggle with shame. I think just like that child who says, I'm not living my identity, I'm acting too much like an adult, we can feel a little bit of shame, a little bit of guilt, maybe fear in those things that can come. We have this powerful story of a woman caught in adultery. She didn't know who she was. She wasn't living the way that we're called to live. You know what's really fascinating about this story? It doesn't say this in the gospel, 
But I picture it this way. I imagine you picture it this way too. Where was the woman? Sure, she was in the middle, but what was her posture like? I think we often think of her kind of laying down or kind of cowering at the feet of Jesus. It doesn't say that. But I think we think of it that way for two reasons. One, it's because Jesus bends down and writes in the sand. Bends down to look at her, to be with her, to talk to her, to embrace her, to love her. I think the second reason why we think of it that way is because when we struggle with shame, when we struggle with our identity, we're afraid. We're embarrassed. And if you're anything like me, when I'm struggling with my identity, when I'm not living the way that I'm called to live, I struggle to look people in the eye. Just like a child who lies, cannot look another in the eye. I don't have a, necessarily a good definition for shame, but I do want to put a caveat in here. Many of us experience shame in different ways, but it's very, very important to know. Shame is never from God. Those lies, those accusations we can hear at times. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm unlovable. Those voices of shame are always from the evil one. And we're called to reject them. God does not shame us. Sometimes God allows for guilt, right? The good kind of Catholic guilt that we hear about, maybe we experience. God allows for guilt because without guilt, we would not be able to return to him. That pricking of our conscience, the Holy Spirit who guides us and says, turn back to the Lord. But shame, that voice of unworthiness, are lies from the evil one, and we must reject them. So identity and shame. When we're struggling with our identity, when we don't recognize who we truly are, we often have that shame. And the good news, brothers and sisters, is Jesus wants to speak to, the, to you and to that, that shame, that guilt today. I love this gospel. It's one of the most powerful gospels. And in a minute here, I want to share a story about how this gospel really changed my life on a retreat a few years ago. But first, I kind of want to walk through it. So Jesus comes. The Pharisees, once again, try to trap Jesus. They try to trick him, right? And they try to get him to, to not follow the law of Moses. And Jesus knows exactly what they're doing, and he kind of calls their bluff. This woman is brought before him, and Jesus bends down to write in the sand. You know, one thing that's very interesting, this is the only point in the whole scriptures, the only time in all of scriptures where Jesus writes. I don't know why that's the case, but I find it very interesting that the founder of the Catholic Church, the Son of God, never wrote anything down. 
And this is the one point in the Gospels, in the whole of Scriptures, where we see or hear about him writing something. So naturally, right, we ask, what did Jesus write? We don't know. The fathers of the church speculate that Jesus actually wrote down the sins of the Pharisees. Because Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And the Pharisees were ready to put that woman to death because of the sin that they found her in. And Jesus, through nonviolence, bends down, writes in the sand, possibly the sins of those Pharisees. Essentially to say, we're all sinners. And we all need God's grace, God's mercy, and God's love. Okay. When I was in the sacristy, I loved to do this before Mass, but I asked our altar servers, what should I preach about today? And one of them said, preach about stones because they're going to stone her today. <laughs> and then he said, what about rocks? You could preach about rocks. And then he said, well, what about you could preach about the rock? And I said, I'm not going to preach about Dwayne Johnson. Don't worry. <laughs> but as we were singing the psalm, I thought, wait a minute. Who is the true rock? Is it not the Christ? Yes, Peter, you are the rock. But Jesus Christ is the foundation, the cornerstone, without which we would fall. Identity, brothers and sisters, what is your identity? We often go around and say, this is my identity, this is who I want to be, but we must be rooted in Christ. Why don't we introduce ourselves? Who are you? My name's Father Sean, and I am, I am a beloved son of the Father. And I've been saved by Jesus Christ. Why don't we rock, walk around proclaiming our identity that way? When we struggle with our identity, when we don't know who we are, we can struggle with guilt and with shame. This woman brought before Jesus. I don't know who I am. I've been struggling with these sins. I'm embarrassed. I have shame. And she cowers before Jesus. And in her shame, Jesus looks down, bends down, looks at her, and loves her, and says, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. The two areas that I think this gospel passage really speaks to us. What is the shame in your life? What are you struggling with right now? Where is it that you feel like you're cowering before another? Where is it that you feel like you're cowering before Christ? Do you feel unworthy? Do you feel unlovable? Imagine Jesus coming to you, looking at you, loving you. I do not condemn you. I love you for who you are. Your identity does not lie in your sins and your shame and your guilt. Your identity, brothers and sisters, lies in the fact that you are a beloved child, a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the Father. 
The second way this story, I think, can really speak to us. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. One of the things I can really struggle with in life is judgment, condemnation of others, putting people down. And Jesus looks at this poor sinner, one who is in misery, and Jesus does not condemn them. Jesus does not condemn you. And so too I am called not to condemn others. About seven years ago, I went on silent retreat. I was really struggling in seminary. I didn't want to continue seminary. I was really dealing with some deep shame. I was working with a counselor. And one of the things I was really struggling with is judgment of others, and specifically a person in my family that I didn't know how to love, I didn't know how to relate to. In a very powerful moment in prayer, I was praying with this scripture passage. And I watched as Jesus came to this person I was struggling with. And Jesus looked at that person, loved that person, and said, I do not condemn you. And as I was watching that, Jesus looked up at me and he said, Sean, I do not condemn this person. Do not condemn this person either. Jesus wants to heal our shame today. He wants to affirm us in our identity. Are we like that woman caught in adultery, embarrassed, shame-faced, not knowing where to turn? Or are we like those Pharisees who just want to condemn others, judge others? We look at the news and it's so easy to fall into that. We look at the state of the world of chaos, of wokeism, and the tyranny that that has become. And do we condemn, or do we have the merciful heart of Jesus that seeks to love, to love the sinner? After Jesus bends down and writes in the sand, the Pharisees one by one go away. And then St. Augustine, about this passage, says this. Only two remained, the miserable one and mercy himself. The miserable one and mercy himself. I think mercy and misery are often tied so closely together. When we're miserable, brothers and sisters, where should we go? We should go to mercy himself to seek forgiveness, to seek healing, to seek the infinite mercy seat of, of God. I want to offer you today a definition of mercy. Mercy, out of love, to will a good that alleviates or eliminates another's misery. Mercy is to alleviate or to eliminate another's misery. Because what is misery? Misery is any obstacle that prevents us from attaining heaven, from attaining relationship with the Lord. 
our sins. That's what misery is. We're not able to love God with our whole heart because something's blocking it. And mercy alleviates or eliminates that misery. The good news today, brothers and sisters, is that God wants to eliminate and alleviate all our miseries. Maybe it's judgments. Maybe it's that shame. Regardless, Jesus says, I do not condemn you. I love you. Go and sin no more. May his mercy eliminate our misery. I want to close with just a brief reflection on confession. If, if it's been a while since you've been to confession, maybe you haven't been to church in a while, maybe this is your first time back in a year, I don't know. But I want to invite everyone here to come to confession, to experience the merciful heart of Jesus in order to alleviate and eliminate that, that misery. This Thursday, we will have our penance service. There'll be adoration, praise and worship, and a time to experience that great joy in confession. We'll have seven priests here, right? And Father Brian specifically chooses these priests because we promise we'll never shame you, we'll never yell at you, we'll never guilt you, we'll never embarrass you in the confession. Because confession isn't about feeling shame. Confession should be about lifting of that misery, that shame, and going back to our root as beloved children in our identity. If you want to experience the freedom of Christ, experience the victory that he pours out to us by conquering sin and death in the sacrament of confession. St. Paul, in our letter to the Philippians, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse, as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. If you're struggling with your identity in Christ, we're called to gain that back, to gain Christ. Because in confession, we put on a new self through the redemption that he pours out to us. In our first reading from the prophet Isaiah, the restoration of Israel that he's prophesying about, there's going to be a newness to this creation. Thus says the Lord, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I am doing something new. And the newness that, that God is talking about, of course, is the new covenant, who is Jesus Christ in which he sends. We experience a newness every time we go to confession. to be restored into that deep identity as beloved children of God.
our psalm that we sung today. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with shouts of joy. We are filled with joy. My brothers and sisters, we all long for this joy, we all desire this joy, that restoration that comes in Christ. Wherever our heart is today, wherever we're struggling, the invitation to come to confession, but today let us surrender that to the Lord. So Jesus, we turn to you. We're so grateful for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for giving us a deep identity in you. Help us to live from this. And Jesus, we run to you who are mercy yourself, and we ask you to relieve and to eliminate all of our misery. <laughs>